It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! They do foul. Buckhorn will be going to the line. Almost a steal. And now, let's see, it's off. It is off Buckhorn. Alex Hahn with a fantastic play. It goes off the foot of number two, Fred Derrick. And you look at the amount of energy Hyme has brought. He may not score a bunch of buckets, but I tell you what, you're not going to find a better defender who digs in tenaciously and is able to play a lot of minutes. But great job. How about that? Little audio leaked from Friday's basketball game. It wasn't edited quite the, the way we had hoped, but whatever. I mean, when you get what you get behind the glass, I mean, what do you expect? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. The final drive. Michael Bronner is on vacation this week, so I don't want any of the listeners to think that Michael Bronner has bailed out. And I will go ahead, and I do have Mark Heim in with me this afternoon, and Bronner will be on vacation this entire week. But I could not have picked a worse time to schedule Mark Heim to sit in the studio with me, especially after the the rear end kicking that we took. Call it what it was. It was an ass kicking. It it, it was it was an ass kicking on Friday that that we took. It was eleven to zero. I don't I don't say that with a lot of pride. I say it with a lot of shame. But I will give Nick Wiggins and Mark Heim their props. And the video does not do any justice. I know Mark Heim will probably be able to stick that in the link. So, you guys, if you have not seen the video yet, I, I, I will encourage you to watch it because it is rather entertaining that was edited by Nick Wiggins. But it, it was not a pretty picture. I, today is Monday, and I'm still feeling the effects of the whooping that we took on Friday morning. Now, to, 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 to help you guys with the gravity of the situation, we played to 11 by ones and twos. We did not play make them, take them, which means every time we scored, we said, here, Corey, here, Michael, your turn. You try to put the, ba the ball in the basket. So I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this since we played. Was there any strategy at all? Any? Like, did you all talk? Did you say, you know what, maybe we do a little pick and roll, maybe a pick and pop, maybe we spread the floor, maybe we, maybe we dump it in the post? Was there any of that? We worked a little bit on our strategy. Now, did it work effectively? Probably not, uh, because we didn't score a basket. Probably not. It, 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 no. <laughs> it didn't not work. Not even a little. It didn't work, because when we got beat 11-0, to I, I would have liked to, you know, basketball is a game of run, folks. It, you can make those runs. Yeah. But the game was over probably the second possession of the game after I had a nasty little spill. Uh oh, oh he's oh a you're blaming the injury? It, it is it, we're gonna blame it on the injury. Oh uh, as as to as to why we didn't play up to our potential. I personally would have blamed it on the six air balls that that went up <laughs> from from team final drive. <laughs> we we had our fair share of air balls without without a question. And and, and the thing is Mark the, the great part about this is 
we, we take this L because it was a whooping. Yeah. And, and, you, ain't, you ain't got a choice. And, and, and we're looking forward to, like I said, cornhole or pickleball because now it's just the, the basketball thing did not work out for us at all. No. It, it, it just did not work out for us. Now, hey. my man Bronner, he came to the game ready. Oh, he definitely He's, came ready. But I just – y'all were the younger team. Y'all yeah, were the younger team. We, we were. We were. But it just didn't work in our favor, Mark, because I can't I believe Bronner's two-handed push shot didn't <laughs> go in. Not a single one of his two-handed uh, shots went in there. I just I couldn't believe it. We, we had every opportunity with the make it, take it that was not played. You, you have an opportunity to score, and we probably shot mm, – Michael probably shot – Three or four air balls. I, I probably shot maybe three or four air balls. It was the worst basketball game I've ever played in my life. But I, I will give you guys props. Yeah, the 50-50 balls that were loose, all the loose balls went to Mark Heim and Nick Wiggins. They 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 killed us on the glass. They absolutely ate us alive. And and we just we didn't have a chance once we went down eight to zero. It was it was they were done and we bad. were just getting our second win because we were feeling shut out at that point. So we actually ramped it up at that point. Like Nick is like, come on, Mark, three more, three more. I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> let's do this. And then so but let me tell you, you know, every team's got that. I, I don't want to call him a cheerleader, but a cheerleader, right? Like, oh, good shot. Keep putting them up. That's a good look. That was Corey. Like every time I was like, yeah, brother, keep shooting. That's great. That That's Corey. Corey's like, I got this. And then and then Bronner. Bronner's that guy who's like, he can't believe, like, what is going on here? This isn't the way I play. Like, he was mad, like, every time he tried to shoot the ball, like, slapping the floor. I don't know. I can't believe it. What do you think? He's that guy. Now, Triple G, Triple G is an NBA player at, 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 at heart. That man is only interested in one thing. He wants to score a rock. Finally, I yelled, dude. I'm like, dude, pass the ball, Kobe. Dude, all he was doing was shooting. He wasn't playing any defense. No defense. <laughs> he would take a little Not, jab step here and there. He he would sit down and try to contest. Yeah. When I went on the floor trying to get the loose ball, he's like, oh, good defense. I'm like, what would you know about it? <laughs> I was exhausted. Hey, look, they, they definitely got I, – I know I got a workout in. And I was happy to to, to make it to, to work on Friday afternoon. And Bronner, I, I applaud him for making it as well on Friday afternoon because the game was played on, on Friday morning and both of us had to come in here with the long face and the sad face and and know that what was about to come on, on Monday morning uh, because, again, the opening kickoff won the final drive zero in regards to keeping tally. Yeah. And and I will have to go ahead and, on the nappy vote, go ahead and give give my today's vote to – the opening kickoff. Isn't it all week until we play I, the next I, I event? Will, I will have to. If, if that's what Nick and, and Bronner decided on the rules, that's what it's going to have to be. Yeah, yeah. we're but just the talent. They're the ones that come it, up with all the rules. It, it, it was it was fun. It was a great exhibition of how not to play the game of basketball by myself and Bronner. It was an exhibition of, you know, it was kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. Um, in a couple of the moves that Mark Heim was able to put on my man Bronner, and, and one of them, I, I just I, because he was my teammate, I wanted to keep him in the game. But one of them was was very, very shall I say, it was Harlem Globetrotter s 
And if you get a chance to look at that video and that footage, it's right when the YouTube video starts. I mean, you can see Bronner was just looking at air. Uh, Mark put this move on him to where he was looking for the ball, and the ball, Mark still had the ball, and he just made him do a 360 in one spot, and I felt bad for my teammate. But it was a, it was an L. And it, it was it wasn't as kicking. I, I I can I can attest to that. I the only excuse I can make is make that I, I was hurt early in the game. <laughs> I was hurt early in the game, and um, other than that, it was eleven to zero. So like true story, that he he wipes out, trips over the painted line, <laughs> as I like to say, like two minutes in, and for like a second. I'm concerned. <laughs> Meanwhile, my mind goes, man, we came all the way out here for this and we're done. It was and it was it, bad. And they, were, and they were like, Are you okay? And and you can hear Corey go, No. <laughs> <laughs> I did say no on the video. I mean, like I said, the video speaks for itself. It was a good good intentions for Michael Bronner and I because we, we really felt confident that you, we was gonna. I right. think four and a half was the spread, so, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this: though. Why, you guys are probably a little bit bigger than us, pound for pound. <laughs> Why did you not make one effort to feed the post? Not one. Well, you gotta have a great post entry pass first, and you gotta understand where you're gonna call for the ball, where you need it. If I was gonna get in the post, I was just gonna have to turn and face uh, and try to drive to the basket. But after after the the, the line. After you face planted on that first drive. After I face planted on that first <laughs> drive, it was over with in regards to wanting to turn and go to the hole. Now I could have played with my back to the basket and played a little Kareem like. And I, I, I know that I should have gone with the goggles for sure because glasses and basketball, it it was too much. Uh I, I when I took my glasses off to play. I should have had goggles on. I can't even tell a tale on that one because the the, the opening kickoff, they brought it to us. They brought it to us, and, and hats off to Heim and Wiggins. And, and you know, the, I, I, I thought we were ready. We weren't. We weren't. We, we just absolutely got destroyed by the opening kickoff. And I, it, was, it was bad. I mean, I, I really face-planted. Um, not only did I face-plant, I hit my hip on the side as well. So so I've got a couple of war wounds to, to, to talk about. But as far as not being able to score a basket, not in my wildest dreams would I have thought that we wouldn't be able to score a point against the opening kickoff. Guys. All right, so what's – and then we'll move on because I know I'm sure there are people that want to talk sports. But what's more humiliating, an air ball from three or a missed layup? Like wide open, because I think Bronner had the wide open layup. The, the missed layup right under the basket, because that at least gets you a point. Yeah. A point if you make yeah. that. So so we're good there, but it just didn't happen, and and that was tough. And I, I mean it was it was fun. Like I say, the opening kickoff, WNSP, the I do final think, drive. I do think Bronner is um, built for cornhole. Well, he better be because that that whooping we took in basketball was no fun. And I mean, you you look at. The whooping, we didn't take the type of whooping that the Phoenix Suns owner took last night. We, we didn't take yeah. that type of whooping. Let me do my Bronner. Well, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and at least, you know, 
there was no flopping in our game. We no, sat down, no, we defended, no. we, we we tried to play the way it was supposed to be. And no fans, we didn't have to worry about the fans interacting except the kids coming from behind the curtain that were in daycare that wanted to see us play. They were our little audience. But, no, I mean, it, it, was, it was a fun series, the opening kickoff versus the final drive. The competition is real. Nobody likes to lose, especially in that fashion. And, I mean, the same way that Auburn run-ruled LSU yesterday was the same feeling that I had. I mean, because Auburn, they beat the number one team in the country yesterday, 12-2. to two, And that had to be a great feeling for the Auburn baseball program. But unfortunately for the final drive, we, did, we don't know how that feels. You know, right now, Mark Heim and Nick Wiggins, they, they are the number one team on two-on-two. Two. Can't take that away from them. Until you take it, they say to be the man, you have to beat the man. I understand. Uh, and, and we were not up to what they were able to bring to us. But, no, it's just a lot of fun as far as watching what went on this weekend. You had Bronny James committing to USC, which was fun to see, a legacy guy. Is it is it hard? I mean, your, your sons play basketball. If you had children that were at the elite level, would you want them, as far as being first-generational, playing with your son – or seeing your son go to college and play basketball, that feeling has to be second to none when he tips off for Southern Cal next next year. Yeah, and so obviously we can't really relate uh, to what they're going through, right? The, a lot of these guys will skip school because they need that paycheck. Clearly, Bronny doesn't need that paycheck, right? So, no, I think this is the right move. I, I, I've always been a proponent of going, going to college, even if it's for a year. Uh, and Auburn fans, you're in for a treat, man, because USC is coming to Auburn. How much fun is that going to be? Yeah. Like, that that ticket isn't hard enough to get. Watch Bronny James roll in with the USC Trojans. That's going to be that's gonna be a lot of fun, especially if Dad might be off that day. But, no, that's a, it was a good call. I, th- I think it surprised a lot of people, but he's right there in the same town. The arena is literally like 10 minutes from Dad's work. So, I, n- I know LeBron's probably excited about it. That's probably why Bronny did it. Uh you know, I don't expect he'll be in college very long, but, you know, it's a win for college basketball to get a, a personality and, and a talent like Bronny for sure. Well, the bad thing is they're on the West Coast with all the games that they are playing. The good thing is that they are coming to Auburn in December. So that it's already a hard enough ticket to watch Bruce Pearl play. So I can only imagine what the tickets for that game will go for as far as Auburn having success. Auburn's Allen Flanagan, he enters the portal Today, his yeah. dad, Wes Flanagan, going over to Ole Miss to now be a coach. No surprise there with Allen Flanagan departing the roster. What is interesting, though, Auburn has four guys to declare for the NBA draft, and this is the fourth Auburn player to hit the portal. So it's going to be a brand-new roster if you start looking at what Bruce Pearl is going to be dealing with next year. Yeah, so this is the other side of the coin. We talk about Eric Musselman and him running off a bunch of guys and bringing other guys in, right? So... W- can you blame Musselman for doing exactly what guys at Auburn are doing to Bruce Pearl? I mean, we can, we will, right? But it's basically the same situation but reversed. In Arkansas, you got guys that are committed, they're going, they're, they've signed, and he's running them all off. Bruce Pearl's on the other side of that coin now. He's having all these guys take off, so he's got to fill some spots. Flanagan stuff is interesting because I think we have a talent here locally that will certainly be kind of watching that, and we'll, we'll see 
what the now uncommitted uh, LeBaron Phylon does. Well, that's huge when you start looking at chemistry for Ole Miss, especially Coach Beard comes in and he gets an assistant coach in West Flanagan who knows all about LeBaron Phylon. And, and LeBaron Phylon and West Flanagan have a great relationship, and I think that's one of the reasons that you see LeBaron decommit from Auburn. I know being selfish for the state, we would love to see him stay in state, but traveling to Oxford, is that if that's where he decides to go, it'll be interesting to see what happens there as well. When we come back, we'll talk about another Auburn Tiger who's made some noise in the NBA, and it's not the highest pick in last year's NBA draft either. Someone that was traded a couple of times before he even played a single game is an all-rookie first-teamer. We'll talk about that next here on The Final Drive. Uh, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. My man Michael Bronner on vacation this week, so Mark Heim, so kind to sit in with me this Monday afternoon. And, of course, last night, Phoenix over Denver and Philly over Boston. But before we go there, we'll back up and talk a little bit about Walker Kessler, 22nd pick overall in the NBA draft last year. He selected to the all-rookie first team in the NBA. And Jabari Smith Jr., who was picked number three in the draft, second team when you start looking at rookie of the year consideration, of course. I, I think that, Mark, when you're picked number three, you know you're probably going to a team that's not going to be that good. But in Kessler's situation, he goes from Memphis putting on a Memphis hat, putting on a Minnesota hat, yeah. and then winds up in Utah. And he winds up getting the all-rookie first team honors in front of Jabari Smith Jr. And Kessler averaged nine and a half points and eight and a half rebounds. And I, I think that you have to commend him for being solid all season long. But to be traded to a third team before you even play one game, that's almost unheard of on draft day. Yeah, I mean, I think he held uh, he he handled it as well as anybody could handle a situation like that. You know, me, I'd be in the corner crying, and I'd be in the fetal position <laughs> crying over there. But nobody wants me. But he made the most of his uh, his time. And this goes. This always we talk about this a lot in football, right? Especially with the NFL draft and when are these guys going to play and how much they can contribute. So it, it, if you can get drafted in the right situation, which generally means not in the first five or six or eight picks, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. And I think that's what happened with Kessler there. Look, we knew he was going to be successful. The man, with, with, with his size and his athleticism, he's going to make plays. And uh, he made the most of the opportunity. I think a lot of guys were cheering for him, and uh, he made the most of his opportunity. So I'm not at all surprised. Well, down the stretch, let, let's look at long term. If you start looking at the NBA career, who do you think is going to have a better NBA career? Is it going to be Jabari Smith Jr. or is it going to be Kessler? I still think it's Jabari based on where the game is going, right? I think I think you can impact the game so much differently at his position than you can at Kessler's. I mean, uh, I mean, look at look at what Golden State's doing right now. They're not doing it very well. I mean, so much of that game is out on the outside. Uh, and even if you look at uh, Djokovic, it's someone we're going to talk about. That's a man at 
at his size is dribbling the ball down the floor for his team, which I think is just utterly ridiculous. But a guy that can play on the perimeter is certainly, I think, going to make a bigger impact on the game these days. Unless the, unless the game starts trending the other way, which we haven't seen in a couple decades, Corey. Well, when you make an impact on the game, anytime you see a ball going to the stands or a player going to the front row or the stands, there's always worry. It always gives you gas. But Jokic last night, he gets teed up in the second quarter after pushing the Suns owner, Matt Ishbia who tries to get, maintain control of the basketball. And when you try to hey, just give me the ball so we can play, when you take the ball away from a fan, I thought that Jokic had, had, had some great great words of w wisdom to, to the league in regards to, hey, look, fans don't play the game. They belong in the stands and don't belong touching players or pushing players. I think that the owner is – in a situation where he's taking some pushback from the league, and rightfully so, but will he be suspended? Will Jokic be suspended for a push of the Suns owner? That That's the biggest question of the day. I think that, again, it was a nice acting job, but at the same time... Oh, yeah, he totally flopped. Should he, should he be suspended? No, I don't. I don't think he should be suspended at all because you're doing a disservice to the fans and to your opponent. You want the best of the best to be able to play. Oh, okay, so here we go. Now you, you've got that Lee Shervanian take where, where we say no matter what happens, let's not punish the fans. Here I got four words for you. Malice in the palace, okay? Do not touch a fan. Do not go in the stands. Do not go in the, on the benches. Do not interact with fans. Because stuff will go sideways real quick. Not only would I kick the owner out, I would certainly sit Jokic. And I know that's not real popular because we want to see our guys play. But we can't <laughs> let them take advantage of that situation. If that were any other fan, if that was Corey Labounty, average Joe, just sitting there on the end of the fan, he would have been removed immediately. Right? Because all these guys have to do now is look at the ref when they're taunting them and say, Get that guy out of here, and they're gone, right? So the fact that there was interaction there tells me that he should have been the owner should have been gone immediately. immediately. He, he wasn't gonna. He now, knows he signs the paychecks. But so. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't give him the right to do what he did. And with that said, you can't if you're if you're an NBA player, you cannot make contact with a fan. You can't do it. Nene Leak says, "Who's gonna check me, boo? Who's gonna check me? Who's gonna stop me? Who's gonna check the Suns' owner and kick the Suns' owner out of the building? Nobody's gonna check him. Nobody has the guts to say you're wrong. Even if the players, it was all seen by the officials. Nobody was gonna check the Suns' owner and say you got to go, bruh. There's no way." There's no way. And even if they would have asked him to leave, he'd have just said, okay, thank you very much. Let me get your name. I know who you are. Be looking for a job tomorrow. I, I, I don't think that anybody would have had the guts in that game to say, look. Do, do, you, do you guys think the officials Do you think the officials knew that that was the owner of the Phoenix Suns or just some guy? Absolutely they knew. I, I, you, they, they know. Because, again, if you're sitting courtside, you know that you you either have a lot of money or you're a pretty important person. So I know that the officials, when you know faces, they introduce themselves, they chop it up before the game, and it's something we'll have to talk to Robbie Baker about because I know he was at the game and covered the game last night around 5.30, and when we talk to him, we'll, we'll ask him that exact question because when anytime you're able to see the pregame interaction with the players and the fans and the celebrities that sit courtside, but there's no way that – 
the Suns owner should have been removed, nor should he be fined. I think Jokic, he, he, he should, should be able to play. And I don't think he'll be fined. I think it'll be, all right, lesson learned. Look, ball comes back into play. Security tighten up a little bit, and it'll be a play on. You guys, you, you, I never thought I'd say this, but you and Lee Shrevenia are like two peas in a pod. <laughs> don't ruin my experience by enforcing rules. Let those guys play. If it were up to you guys, you'd give them each eight fouls a game so they couldn't foul out. Couldn't foul out the leading score. No, that would take away from the game. How about putting some of that on the players? How about making them play the game within the rules? But what did he do to violate the rules in regards to as far as striking a fan, he pushing a fan. them back? I, I think that he said, hey, give, give me 50 feet. That's what he said. Give me a little room. Dude, what, on the room. court, Jokic was in the stands. Front row, front row. I think I think Same that's thing. the difference. Same thing. I, anytime you're on the front row, you're, you're going to have an opportunity to get whacked. And that was a situation to where I really, I like. Right, in the course of the game, he made himself a part of the game, though, when he grabbed the ball and held on to it. That was I'm a not, tough situation. I'm, not blame, I'm, not, I'm blaming both equally. I think they should both be penalized. I don't think either one of them are going to get penalized. I think the technical foul. Oh, I foul, guarantee you they won't. I'm just saying they should. It, it, it's the difference in the game, though. When you look at in the second quarter, that game comes down to one or two possessions, and you're looking in between a two-point game and a three-point game or a three-point game and a four-point game. I think that you have to be in a situation where now it did make a difference at some point in the game because a one-possession game, two or three points versus four points, you wind up losing by four or more. You're in a situation that, that that made a difference with that technical foul. Well, actually, Michael Porter Jr. is the one that lost that game for, for Denver. Although Jokic was not good at the end. He he had the turnover, didn't get the jump ball, and uh, missed the layup. On that, but that was all after Porter had a three that he, he jacked up way too early in transition. Great series so far, and when we come back, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little Alabama Crimson Tide. Tony Sakalis will join us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Mark Himes sitting in for vacationing Michael Brauner this afternoon. Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive. Tony Sakalis, managing editor for Tide Illustrated, joins us this afternoon. Tony, how's everything going, my friend? Hey, it's going pretty well. I'll tell you, Tony, since the last time we talked last week, a lot has gone on with Alabama baseball, of course. Brad Bohannon getting fired, and it's a situation to where the Crimson Tide now have an interim coach, but Alabama was able to go ahead and kind of muscle up and have a much-needed series win against a top-five Vanderbilt Commodores team. Yeah, I mean, we've gone from, you know, crisis mode in Alabama baseball to really looking at if they, you know, finish the season out strongly, they could maybe potentially even uh, host the regional. I know that's kind of, you know, probably take it one step at a time at this point, but that's, you know, a possibility at this, you know, if things go the right way for Alabama baseball. Well, when Alabama looks forward to trying to finish the SEC tournament strong and then trying to make some noise, the parallels or the similarities 
between this baseball program and the basketball program with the eyes of really the entire nation being on Alabama, whether you like it or not. Do, do you see that mirror images in the two programs with the situation that have occurred as far as Brandon Miller and now with Bohannon's gambling situation? Right. I think the, the situation concerning, you know, the, the death of Jimmy Harris is obviously a lot bigger than some person betting on games. And so, like, there was a lot more at stake in that situation. Um, but, you know, that being said, I, I think, you know, it's still two, I guess, situations where Alabama's it put in a negative light, and um, they're back-to-back. So they're obviously going to draw some parallels. I don't necessarily think they're the same thing. Uh, obviously, you have players involved um, in, in the basketball case. With baseball, it seems like it was just the head coach just doing, uh, you know, and they, they've since dismissed the head coach. So really, there's, you know, to my knowledge, there's nothing else, you know, tying Alabama baseball there won't be a lingering effect, I guess, for Alabama baseball other than the fact that it's without its head coach. Um, you know, where basketball, they have this distraction. I think it'd be easier for baseball to move on from this. From a football standpoint, Alabama, of course, now has five scholarship quarterbacks. And if they are just to look at the roster, people that during the offseason you just want to see are they progressing or are there any chemistry, especially getting ready for your summer workouts with one another? Who are some names that really just coming out of the spring that, that Alabama fans and, and basically teammates in general can take a look at? Because Nick Saban had his press conference. He said, if you don't think players in this locker room know who the best players are, then you're mistaken. And, of course, now you have – five quarterbacks on the roster, and a deep running back room also. Yeah, I, you mentioned the running backs. Justice Haynes is a freshman who really, you know, grabbed a lot of headlines this spring, and I think he can be – I still expect Jason McClellan to be the starter, but I think, you know, Justice Haynes could be a guy that can see significant playing time as a freshman running back, which if you look back at Alabama's backs, they, they don't typically, you know, get a lot of – you know, the freshman backs usually takes a year to break into the system, so – um, Justice Haynes is a guy that's kind of more advanced than your normal freshman running back, and so I expect him to take on a bigger role. Um, you know, if you stick on the offensive side of the guy, uh, the offensive side of the lot, uh, ball, um, Malik Benson is a you know, receiver from JUCO. Yeah, we, we saw him come on late during that final drive of, of A-Day. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what he does this fall. I think he has the potential to be a number one receiver, which could totally, you know, transform Alabama's offense. Um, assuming they get the quarterback position uh, figured out as well. I think he could be a really big player. Caleb Downs is another name, a freshman guy, kind of like uh, Justice Haynes, where uh, typically you look at that safety position and you, you think, oh, man, he needed more of an experienced guy there. But Caleb Downs seems to be you know, more experienced than what a freshman normally is. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a few players. I mean, obviously there's the big heavy hitters uh, on defense. You know, you've got Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Those guys could be first-round picks. Um, but I think everyone kind of knows those guys. Um, they'll definitely be stars on this team. I think it's more just, you know, when you look at this team and the question marks around it is, you know, how, how are young, talented players going to step up in positions that are that are pretty important? Um, Alvin has the talent to do so. They're just lacking on experience. So if guys like, you know, like we said, Caleb Downs, um, you know, if they can get one of these, you know, freshman tackles to, to step up, 
you know, all of a sudden things get a lot better. It's just a matter of inexperienced players living up to their potential. We're speaking with Tony Sakalis, managing editor for Tide Illustrated. And when you have a new offensive coordinator, one of the questions that a lot of people, you see the shirts, you see the hats, run the damn ball. But when you're able to throw to the tight ends or get the tight ends more involved in the offense, I think that's something that a lot of fans are going to be clamoring to also because you see Cameron Latou gets drafted and has an opportunity to make an NFL roster and make some money. So will other Alabama tight ends be involved more, not just from a blocking standpoint, but from catching the pigskin as well. Yeah, I think, what was it, like eight of the first 11 completions on 8A? I don't have the number in front of me, but a lot, they, they, they targeted the tight ends a ton early on in 8A, and I expect, you know, whoever the young quarterback, because you're going to get a young quarterback, an inexperienced quarterback, and typically those guys lean on the tight ends, and then you look at Tommy Reese's offense has been very tight end-centric, so he'll probably bring some of that to Alabama. I expect the tight ends to be a lot more involved in this year's team. They brought in C.J. Dupree from Maryland. I think he's a guy that can do a lot of stuff. Uh, they've got uh, Robbie Utes. They've got Amari Nablack, who I almost consider more of a receiver, but he is kind of, you know, a miss. either he's a mismatch receiver or he's, he's probably not, you know, your traditional blocking tight end, but he's a guy you can use in a lot of different, um, you know, passing situations. Um, I, I think you're going to see guys move, you know, out of the H-back role, out of the traditional role. Um, you know, Tommy Reed likes himself some tight ends. So if I was a tight end on this team, I'd be pretty excited. Well, one of the interesting things about the transfer portal is it officially closed last week. But for you to be a grad transfer, you still have that opportunity as grad transfers only to, to find a roster spot. And I know Nick Saban still continues to say he wants to take the best available are the best available still in the transfer portal defensively or offensively or a combination of both for the Crimson Tide? Well, the way the transfer portal works is you just have to get your name in the transfer portal. So there are people in the transfer portal, you know, who Alabama are, are looking at. You know, they're, they're looking at, um, you know, Louisiana Lafayette cornerback Trey Amos. They brought him in over the weekend. Uh, today they had UAB safety Jalen Key. So, you know, um, there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, players that they're considering. It looks like they're kind of targeting the secondary, if you, if you look at it. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think Alabama is not necessarily done. Um, and then, you know, I mean, people can leave if they want to sit out a year. If they graduate, then they can leave. So, um, you know, it, it, it's still got a little bit left, uh, you know, shaking things out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how it plays out. Is secondary a place of concern for Alabama next year? You mentioned having Terion Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry, Malachi Moore coming back, but is that a place where depth is needed as far as injuries or just being one play away from having guys that played in the spring to get garner very, very important moment, minutes for the Crimson Tide? Yeah, and I, I especially see that at, at cornerback where, you know, yeah, you return the, – the interesting thing is, you know, at cornerback you return two starters, uh, but you have less depth behind them. And then at safety, you don't return a starter, but you have perhaps more depth at that position in terms of people that you would probably feel capable of handling things. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, Alabama brought in a cornerback and a, 
a safety on the canvas for visits because I, I think, you know, both of them, you can make the argument that they make sense. You know, you look at cornerback, you know, if Terry and Arnold are, let's just say Terry Arnold struggles. He, he's able, he isn't able to consistently play at the cornerback position. Well, I mean, you, you could move Earl Little to the cornerback, but then you got to fill Star, which you're probably then dropping Malachi Moore down like he did in the A-Day game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you take Malachi Moore away from the safety position, and then you're lacking some depth there, you know? So uh, it's just kind of uh, – you've got talented guys. You saw Des Ricks, the five-star freshman. Um, he had led all players with four pass deflections during A-Day. He's a capable guy um, at that cornerback position, but he's inexperienced. And, you know, I don't think Alvin really wants to go with him, you know, right out the bat if, if you know – Terry and Arnold or Kool-Aid McKinstry gets hurt, you know. So I think having a, a an option or more depth options would be probably beneficial. So I, I could see where Alabama is looking at that. It's not necessarily they need it in terms of, oh, we need to get a, a, a first-team guy. I think it's more of a case of, you know, how do we protect ourselves uh, in case, you know, the worst-case scenario happens. Depth is always key for Nick Saban and championship-produced teams. And I think that, again, preseason rankings, Alabama probably may crack the top five in a lot of polls, maybe at four or five. But to me, that doesn't create as big a bullseye on the Crimson Tide, being able to work their way to number one rather than coming out of the gates preseason number one. Tony, how can people follow all of your great coverage of the Crimson Tide, especially here in this offseason? Yeah, the site's uh, TideIllustrated.com, or you can go to AlabamaRivals.com. It's the same thing. Uh, you can follow us at Tide Illustrated on Twitter, or you can follow me at Tony underscore Sukalis on Twitter as well. Tony, thank you very much for joining us on the final drive this afternoon, and we'll be talking to you again soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 will be right back. Michael Bronner on vacation. Mark Heim sitting in with me, and He's we'll hot. be right back. He's running. <laughs> Bronner says, hey, Bronner, I, I know you're listening. Heim, I, I'm glad you're off this week because Heim really has brought the heat, brother. He's I'd brought be the running heat to too, us. Bronner. You know the difference, though? If you're running, it's the first time we've seen you run all week. <laughs> the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey the Bounty joined by Mark Heim. Yeah, that Mark Heim that's normally in the morning time. It's been a long day for Mark Heim, but it, it didn't matter on Friday because he did the show with Lee, and then he came I, ca I carried Trevanian for three hours, and then I, I showed up at the court, and I carried Wiggins for a couple hours. Came over and got the job done. Max killing me over here. And, and I, I, it's sad, but it's true. Yes, folks, <laughs> 11 to 0 was the final two-on-two -two score. And, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as some of the NBA blowouts <laughs> that we have seen. It's pretty bad. But, again, 11, <laughs> 11 uh, we, we had 11 being the final 
the final ending point of the game, right? Right. So so if if we would have had an opportunity to catch our second wind, I think what it would it would have been. Is that what it was? It, I, second I offered, wind. I offered a media timeout in the middle. <laughs> if we needed to go with a media timeout, I would. I said we we could. But you see, you keep dropping the the lead here. I think anytime we mention the score, we have to tell people that there was no make them take them. <laughs> you guys had the opportunity every time we scored to get the ball and score. I'm pretty sure. I'm just gonna throw this out here. I'm pretty sure that if it were me or Nick, just one of us, we would have gotten a bucket. One bu- one stinking bucket. The shots just weren't falling, folks. That's all I can say. Oh, they for were Braun falling like ten feet short. <laughs> They weren't going through the net. All right, you know what I need from you guys? I need I, I've used all my material over the last four hours of radio today. I want to hear the best. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com or give us a call at 694-1055. What's your best trash talk to a guy that lost 11 zip and no make him take him <laughs> and was the younger team? I want to hear from you guys for the rest of the show. I, you know, if we got to bump a guest, then we got to bump a guest. I mean, some things are just too important. <laughs> the the amount of trash talking that could not be done today or Friday, because I, I, I've just had the – not only did I have to take the whooping on Friday, I knew what was coming on Monday, and I, I did not – did not know that it was going to be 11 to 0. I thought I was going to have a, a puncher's chance or a fighter's chance to sit in here with Mark Hyman and say, look, it was a great game. It was a great – went down to the – down to the last couple of possessions, did not. We had Lee in the morning saying, man, I could have played in that game. And we were like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was it was, it was, was not my best basketball, folks. It really wasn't. I, I just – I did not did not bring my A game when, when I thought – probably give it about an E minus uh, is, is what I'm going to have to give myself because it was, it was bad. Did you say E? E minus. E minus. E minus. I'm not familiar with the E. A B C D or E, not the F, the E. You, you in, in grade wise, you get the E minus. I never heard you get the E minus. Yeah, that's probably why. That's why, why not I just give myself. yourself the failing grade. It, it's because it was a negative. I mean, if we're being objective, it was a negative, and we're being opinionated here. If it were anybody else that got smoked eleven nothing, you'd give an F. It, it was an E minus. You got all that basketball knowledge from all those years and, of blowing those calls as an official. And, and here's the sad part. You know, they say either you use it or you lose it. Well, I, I definitely lost it, folks. I mean, because, again, if I would have been Nick Wiggins' age or Michael Bronner's age, yeah, it would have been a whole different story in the wreck. But it just it was not our day as far as in the final drive. We just we just we didn't have it. And we really f- came in. And one of the things they said, well, why didn't you go to the post? Yeah. Well, make some make some uh, changes, man. Some adjustments. It, it was it was one of those situations to where the adjustments, no matter how many adjustments Braun and I made, we we at the end of the day we we wanted to get rid of that goose egg and weren't able to do so. Yeah. So here's the adjustment: Bronner shot, air ball. No, you know what? Let me try. Corey shoots, air ball. <laughs> Wait, let's go back to what we were doing. It seemed to be working. And by then, Nick and I are like, do we go out there and get him, or do we just like challenge him to shoot? Yeah, it, it was it was rough for me. I like I said, my 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 A game was not brought. I, I they were the better E-minus team. Game. The E minus game after it's all said and done, my E minus game is what I have to give myself. It, it was not my best effort. What would you get, Bronner? 
Bronner gets a solid B, a B, a B for. Bro, what? He gets a solid B. Bronner was busting his tail. He he was busting his tail. He was trying to get rebounds and second chance opportunities. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. I give him credit. He was he was hustling. Oh. So he gets a B for hustle. Man, Rudy hustled. He only got in for like two plays. <laughs> but yeah, let's give him a B. Hey, if you ever get become a, a teacher or a professor, let me know. I want your class. Talk about talk about a crip course. My goodness. Well, you know, here it is. Mark. Hey, you showed up. Good job. Give they, me a B. They say, I coached against Corey a long time ago. Dude, pressed us off the bus. Karma, baby. Yeah, it does have a way of turning I, its way around. I'll say this, though. There might have been a play in there where he turned his back and we brought a double team he was not ready for. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, folks. I, I, I'll give the opening kickoff Wiggins and Heim credit. They took it to us. The final drive will be right back again. Plenty of NBA action. The best Alabama wide receiver ever. There's been some debate amongst the best wide receivers ever. We'll come back and talk about that next on the final drive. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Hour number two of the final drive. Again, Michael Bronner on vacation this week. So Mark Heim decides to come on in and sit with me this afternoon. And I want to welcome Mark Heim in and Nathan doing a wonderful job behind the glass, keeping us on track. And of course, Mark, one of the big things that has occurred is as far as Alabama football players, current, past, and maybe even future, they gave out their best and top wide receivers of all time in the history of Alabama football. And Jerry Judy, he came out with his top five wide receivers in the Crimson Tide's history. He says Devontae Smith, Amari Cooper, himself, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones. I don't think that's a bad list. But Devontae Smith, probably the best wide receiver in the history of Alabama football, said Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, and then he even included himself. And Trayvon Diggs says Amari Cooper. You have Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Jalen Waddle tied there. When you start looking at who was left off of this list, is it because of the generations? Because do you leave off David Palmer at all as an Alabama all-time greatest wide receiver? Do you leave off Ozzie Newsome as an Alabama all-time greatest wide receiver? And is it because the new school 
does not understand what old school had accomplished and played against because they sure they sure weren't throwing the football as much to Izzy Newsom as they are to Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy or Amari Cooper. Yeah, so this uh, Devontae Smith got on a podcast with Darius Slay, a teammate in Philadelphia. And he and Slay basically asked Devontae who his top five were. And so that got kind of tweeted out. And all these other receivers started giving out their top five, which is fascinating stuff, right? Because it, I, I think a lot of what you said is, is dead on, which is I think it's generational. I would probably put Julio number one because he changed the perception of the Alabama wide receiver. Uh, at a time where there weren't a whole lot of receivers coming through Alabama, right? He also did it in a time where they don't throw it all over the fl- all over the field, right? I thought he set the table for what these guys that he uh, what these guys are now feasting on. So I would go Julio first. You you bring up David Palmer. Do you guys look at David Palmer as a as a receiver or one of those like slash guys, right? He was just one of those guys that lined up all over the field. I do think. You look at Devontae Smith as a route runner. He's probably one of the elite route runners uh, to ever put on a Crimson Tide uniform. But, man, Julio would run around you. He'd run over you. He'd go across the middle. He'd go deep. He kind of set the standard, at least the new standard, by which Alabama receivers, uh, and then, you know, he, by, by which they're judged. And then he goes and does it in the NFL, which I think opened the, opened the way for recruiting. And then you change the way that you throw the ball around, and now you got all these guys, right? As good as Devontae Smith was, he was surrounded by some great talent. So it's not like you could roll coverage over the top. You know what I mean? Like he got a lot of one-on-one stuff that maybe Julio didn't have. So I'd go Julio number one, and that's not to be disrespectful to any of the other guys that were mentioned. I think Julio is number one um, as far as what he was able to bring. I think it's a 1A and 1B for me because Devontae Smith, you, you put yourself – with the type of numbers that he was able to put up, the the catch radius that he had. Now, Julio had hops without question, and Julio was built like a grown man. And Devontae Smith and Julio don't have the same build. But when you look at leaving off Ozzie Newsome off of that list, then you can go where you want to with David Palmer, for sure, as far as being a, a slash wide receiver. And if he's not a top five wide receiver, if you look at these Jalen Waddle being a top five wide receiver of all time in the history of Alabama football, according to Trayvon Diggs, really the, the same names were, were mentioned as far as Judy, Devontae, Amari Cooper, and Calvin Ridley. Amari Cooper was one of those guys. I think he was Julio Jones 2.0 in regards to how he was built and what he was able to do because it didn't matter if you double-teamed Julio. It didn't matter if you double-teamed Amari Cooper. He still was going to find a way to get the football and be involved and to be a difference maker for the Crimson Tide. Now, I, I that's that's where I stand as far as Amari Cooper and Julio Jones, Devontae. Would you would you put those uh, like Freddie Millens and Tyrone Prothor? Would you put them in that uh, slash type of category if we I, I had think, one of those? I think you can do more so. Because Freddie Millen did return punts, I think Freddie Millen was more of a wide receiver than David Palmer was. I think that that 
that was definitely obvious because Freddie Millens did the same thing that David Palmer used to do as far as kick returns, punt returns, being a specialist. But as far as Freddie Millens running routes, I, I liked Freddie Millen's ability there a little bit better than David Palmer. I thought David Palmer was was more electric and a better athlete. And I think he's definitely, when you look at Alabama football and the history of Alabama football, definitely from an offensive standpoint, he's going to go down as, as a top 10 player. But I do, I think that Jalen Waddle had that great Iron Bowl and historic Iron Bowl and was fun to watch. But Julio Jones... You're absolutely right as far as redefining the wide receiver position. And D.J. Hall, to me, is one of those that I think does not get enough credit. Nick Saban and him ran and butted heads from the time he got yeah. there. But that's because D.J. was used to getting his way and being the man and saying, look, I know I'm the man. Nobody can touch me. No matter what you say, I'm going to show up for meetings when I want to show up. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go to class when I want to go to class. That was D.J. Hall's problem. He didn't like the structure and the stability that Nick Saban gave him and made him face. But D.J. Hall is is easily a top five could be in that top five category all time at the University of Alabama from a, a wide receiver standpoint, Mark. All right, so what do you guys think? Uh, if you had to rank them, uh, Devontae Smith certainly gave his take. Uh, Sean in the app said that Judy's lost his mind, that Julio's number one without a doubt, period, end of discussion. Uh, I think most people – now, we might be we might be a little uh, – uh, we might we we might like us a little Julio more than most down here because of what where he's from. But for all the reasons we mentioned, I I, I don't I don't think you'll find another one like Julio. No, he, and remember, I mean that wide receiver room was pretty impressive when uh when uh Devontae was there. I mean that that's just sick. That's just crazy. It, 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 you you could pick your poison who you wanted to throw to, and as far as I mean, they did rock paper scissors. It, that that's exactly where you were as far as getting your touches, and any of them. Now, when you have to start saying, okay, outside of Alabama and being a great Alabama wide receiver, by far you're looking at Devontae Smith now having an opportunity to to kind of show his talents in the NFL. Julio has already shown his talents. He's already, he's already going to find himself in the Hall of Fame when he decides to retire without question. And I think that because of that, the other receivers – if you were to ask them, they would aspire to be like Julio Jones. And you can you can give us a call if you don't want to hit us in the app, 251-694-1055, 251-694-1055. Jerry Judy's top five wide receivers in Alabama history, Devontae Smith, Amari Cooper, and he ranked himself as a top five wide receiver of all time. He said Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And then Devontae Smith, when asked the same question, he said on his list, Julio was number one, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, and then himself. So I, I just think that it's a great list for Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. But when you look at who you're omitting and Ozzie Newsom, I think that's that's an interesting fact too because Ozzie Newsom was not in that era marked where you're gonna you're gonna have an opportunity to catch the ball six or seven times. Yeah, it just it is what it is there, and that's how the game has changed. And speaking of the the game changing in in Major League Baseball, the pitch count has definitely 
changed the game and the way that people are are looking at at things. But when you get ejected from a game after the national anthem, <laughs> never have I heard being ejected from a game before you even start. Both two players, one from Philadelphia, Matt Strom, and then the Red Sox, Cutter Crawford, sitting there having a stare down instead of deciding to go into the dugout, violated the pitch count rules. Before the game even starts, Mark, you having to make lineup changes as, as a manager. I've never heard of such. I say this is the one thing I like about baseball. Have some fun with it. Now, the umpire, they warned him. They warned him, and they got into a staring contest. It was a who could flinch first. They took it a bit too far. They both got ejected and fined. It was one of the more colorful MLB stories. I'm all about it. Good for them. Add a little something-something to baseball. In Major League Baseball, great series this weekend between the Orioles and the Braves. And, of course, the Braves win yesterday in walk-off fashion. But to sit there and say, do, do Major League Baseball, who do you think has the biggest ego? Is it the NFL officials? Is it the Major League Baseball umpires? Or is it the NFL officials? At, at what point in sport? I personally think it's the Major League Baseball umpires that have the biggest ego and can be bruised because you're tossing folks left and right and uh, Tampa Bay's pitcher has a ring on his glove hand and he's asked to leave or take it off or be ejected. I just think that they're sometimes a little bit more sensitive than anybody else in any other professional sport. Uh, yeah, and then the NFL, you know, they've gotten to – I don't think NFL refs have egos because they what – what are they told to do now? They say, hey, let the play play out. We'll catch it on the replay. Just let it go. Let it go. And so, yeah, absolutely. The NFL – NFL's job has actually gotten – and I say this with his – air quotes easier in the in the sense that they have the crutch that is instant replay but no i i think i think baseball umpires certainly uh put themselves in the action a lot more than nfl officials do for sure there's n- there's no question well i mean what what is the what is the magic word as as far as do you have to, to to cuss at an official? Do you have to just talk about their mama? What is it that you have to Ooh. do in order to get tossed? I do like me a mama joke. So, <laughs> by the way, so a couple things. While I'm asking you guys for some trash talk, I need trash talk because we just beat. The opening kickoff destroyed the final drive. So put it in the app. I need your best trash talk. Uh, there's someone you would you would talk at who just got whooped 11 nothing with no make them take them hit them in the app and then I need your best mama joke too because I'll, I'll best ones I'm gonna I'm a I'm a I'm a relay on the air I, I love that I mean because again you you've seen the other day in a in a kids game I was watching on YouTube it was a situation where one of the players could have been eight years old Mark the catcher said something about his mama. To the umpire? To, 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 the, to the catcher. Oh, okay. And they were talking trash amongst each other. And that part led to led to the to the little kid turning around and saying, hey, if you say something else about my mama, I'm going to take this bat and hit you upside the don't head. Don't you be talking it. about my mama. Did you, <laughs> wait, did you see the one? I don't remember where it was. I saw it where this kid looked at the ump and gave him the uh, F-bomb. As he, he rung him up, he walked off and looked over his shoulder and, 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 and used the F-word. <laughs> 
No. Oh, I should have retweeted it. What was I thinking? Yeah, dude, I've I've I, I've said and I and I've gone on record for this years. The the worst part about kids sports or the adults <laughs> after some of the stuff I've seen on social media, I may have to rethink that. Have you seen the video of like the most disrespectful third grade basketball team? Now ever? that was that was pretty good. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have seen that. If those kids were on my team, I would crack each one of them upside the head. That's watching too much television. And that's kind of we had it last week with Mark Calvey. We asked him about the the bat flinging or or what do you do when you hit a home run or the trash talking. He said, "Look, act like you've been there before. There's no there's no need for it. So you either have an old school approach, act like you've been there before, a new school approach of I'm gonna." Go ahead and demonstrate what I see professionals do on television, but that's part probably part of the problem when you do see adults or your role models. Charles Barkley told you I'm not a role model, and I respected him for that because he let you know, yes, I am going to cuss at officials, I'm going to cuss at fans, I'm going to get after you, I'm going to let you know I'm not going to put my hands on it because I don't want to lose money. But he let you know I am not a role model. Um. In the app, here's your first mama joke. Your mama shoots more air balls in the final drive. Rack them. Yeah. Rack them. Write that one down for tomorrow morning. That that one is, uh, that was pretty, uh, the, the amount of air balls. It's timely. I like it. I and, like it. It's and, relevant. They must have seen the footage. They must have seen the video of, of, of the two-on-two game because yeah. there, there were a couple of air balls. And, and a couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was raining being, air balls, being, man. I went looking for an umbrella. I thought I, I was gonna get hit. I'm being generous. There were there were a couple of air balls, but I didn't feel safe at the free throw line when y'all were jacking up threes. The, see the the amount of trash that that now you can go ahead and 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 rightfully so talk because you guys backed it up eleven to nothing it is is definitely plenty of room to talk trash. Go ahead and give us the best jokes that that you fire away, fire away in the app because again. The, your mama shoots more air balls in the final drive is pretty good. That, How far can we take it? I mean, I haven't I haven't been on the show in a while. We, I mean, we used to take it pretty far back in the day when I did the afternoon show. I don't know how far we can take mama jokes. That, that, hey, that, that, it, it, trust me, it, it's it, it's it's clever, very okay. clever. You you can take it as far as you want to, as long as you don't the guy pay my check. As, as as long as there's no profanity, no no profanity. I think that. It's a situation that so let let's get off mamas because I just got off yours. Is that, that is that too much? No, I mean hey, look, it's clever again. <laughs> Nathan clever back is the, there is concerned. <laughs> clever is the word for the day. Clever is the word for the day. But if you do have any of those jokes, if you had an opportunity to see the video of Michael Bronner and I taking on Mark Heim and and Nick Wiggins. Nick Wiggins did a great job editing the video. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job of editing the video. That's that's what he did a great Look, job Nick of. Nick is your typical reality TV producer. He works from backwards to the front. <laughs> like, he knew how it was going to, so he cut it accordingly. Amazingly, he got all the shots that he made and very few of the ones he missed. <laughs> it's amazing how, uh, how that happens. The final drive on WNSP 105.5 with Mark Heim and Corey Labounty with you today. Mark Heim sitting in for vacationing Michael Brauner. <laughs> and again, keep them coming in the app. We, 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 they, they are pretty good. Your mama gets passed around more than Tupperware at a potluck.
Yeah. That's I'm going to save that for the big cornhole tournament. Look, keep them coming because we still have cornhole and we have pickleball and left. How can you trash talk after cornhole? We're going to find a way, huh? We're going to find a way for sure. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide. And God bless. Welcome back to the final drive. And, you know, you, you can keep the jokes coming because the way Michael Bronner and I played last Friday was a joke. And what we're doing here is, you know, you, you get the jokes coming in as far as how Michael Bronner and I played or what kind of trash talk you would bring to the court after beating someone 11-0 to zero in a non- Thank you. Make it, take it. Yeah. Thank game. You. Very In important. a non-make it, take it game, if you get beat eleven to zero, what kind of trash talk would you have for the other two opponents, or just what kind of trash talk would you have in general if your team was able to win eleven to nothing? Yeah. And that's what Markheim and Nick Wiggins were able to beat Michael Bronner and myself by, and it, it's just. The your mama jokes are pretty good. Keep them coming. I, I love the fact that you know when you have trash talking, which is part of the game. You have to understand it. It's part of the game. We were talking moments ago about whether Jokic should receive a fine or be suspended. Well, he got fined twenty five thousand dollars by. The NBA. That's like you getting fined five bucks. It it is. It, it ain't gonna hurt him. It, and and if you ask me, his owner probably will go ahead and write the check for him just to prove to the son's owner, hey, look, you know, you you went after my guy. You went after one of my players, and that's something you don't see too often. Like Mark said, if it were anybody other than the owner of the Phoenix Suns, and you have a situation where you don't want to give the players on the floor, give the official the basketball. You're going to be asked to leave. But when you take an elbow the way that Ishbia did, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, to me, I'm glad that Jokic is, doesn't have to worry about being suspended. Pay the, pay the $25,000 fine. But 53 points that you have, you don't want to lose that to have an opportunity to win this series. Yeah, you you and Lee, you guys are two peas in a pod on this one. And I'm in the minority when I when I say I don't care if it ultimately impacts the quality of the game. That's not on the officials. That's on the guy that puts himself in that situation. You want to be mad at somebody? <laughs> be mad at him. Don't sit here and talk about how, man, uh, they shouldn't suspend him because, you know, we don't want him missing game five or game six or whatever. Dude, that ain't our problem. You, you don't want to get tossed? Don't give him a reason to get tossed. You cannot touch a fan. Now, the owner did. I mean, he could play in the NBA the way he flopped the way he did. There's no question he flopped. But I would have had him removed, and I would have I would have uh, sat Jokic. Because at the end of the day, we've seen what happens. We've seen it. Malice in the palace. All right? And how absolutely crazy stuff can get. 
Jokic went into the, uh, into the fan area. Granted, it was the first row. He tried to rip the ball from the guy. I don't know why. I know he's trying to get it in early, but he still has to hand it to the official before he can get it in sure. anyway. So I, I don't know why he was in such a rush. It's not a popular take, but if you want to, if if we're gonna get to the point where the players can look at a guy that's mocking them, and by the way, I think um, I think fans have gotten completely unruly and should be as soon as a player looks at a, a player and say get or fan says get rid of him, they should get rid of him absolutely. But the reverse should also be true. You you can't you can't put hands or make contact with a fan, regardless of the situation, unless you're doing it in a way to defend yourself, and he clearly wasn't defending himself. Well, I tell you, $25,000, that is probably like $5, but when you waste a 53-point performance, and we'll go back and we'll talk about James Harden as well. Harden, he decides that he shows up when he wants to. 45 points in game one, game four, 42 points. He can't decide, am I James Harden or not? The bearded one. I mean, I just think that when you have superstars like KD and Booker scoring 36 points apiece in a game, that's what it takes to, to, to win a series, to, to go ahead and finish a team. When you have Embiid scoring 34 and Harden has 42 that's, I mean, what do you, you're, you're supposed to win that game. Well, what's impressive about Booker isn't the, the number of points he's scoring, but the percentage in which he's shooting at, man, is just outrageous. It's absolutely crazy. By the way, I got another one for you. Your mama's so dumb, she sits on the TV to watch the couch while she's listening to the final draw. <laughs> That's, I'm telling you, keep, keep the your mama jokes coming because they are pretty clever and pretty good. And I, I, a couple of them. Y'all bring bricks to the studio. Y'all bring that many bricks to the studio. It might be safe to go out there on that street. <laughs> I, I, hey, you know where we are, 1100 Dolphin Street. Mark, you've seen it in the morning time sometimes. You Bricks outside of the studio, sometimes you need that type of shelter for sure. But the amount of bricks that Bronner and I shot, at least our shot didn't get wedged. In the rim. That's a good point. Now Nick did get a wedgie up there, and it took a minute. It took a minute to get that. That's a great call. We we have failed to point that out. <laughs> that is uh that was one of the shots that he did indeed include in the video. But yeah, it wasn't one of his finer moments. Well, we'll, we'll take that because that's the only thing that I can get from a bonus standpoint. Because like I say, when you don't score a bucket. And a non-game, but make it, take it, that's that's what becomes there tough. There you go. Your mama has more implants than Lee. <laughs> You're going to use that in the morning, I'm, I'm going to use that one tomorrow. i got to write all these down. <laughs> You're going to use that one in the morning for sure. In the morning. Steve Mask scheduled to join us here momentarily when we get back from this break, of course, coming up into our spring games in high school football. Everyone gets excited. They're going to be opening these stadiums this week, having ribbon-cutting ceremonies. I know there's some games that are going to be played this Thursday and Saturday as well. And, of course, there's games that are going to be played next week. So high school spring football right around the corner. And Steve Mask will be joining us next on the final drive to talk about the talent that he's taking over at Theodore High School. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5.
The final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty and Mark Heim sitting in for the vacationing Michael Bronner and don't tell Mass that man he's gonna hang up on us <laughs> the vacationing Michael Bronner he already had the vacation plan prior to us getting defeated 11 to 0 and getting stomped by the opening kickoff and Steve Mass the head football coach at Theodore High School joins us coach I, I will say this we played a game of two on two it was the opening kickoff versus the final drive mark heim and nick wiggins beat michael Bronner and myself 11 to 0 but but there is always the hope for the next time coach what do they say always when you have that loss get them next time what words of encouragement can you give us coach because we need some retire <laughs> hey look i came out of if retirement so i'm with you, you coach i'm gonna have to go back score, into it if you can't score against Heim and his partner and you get skunked 11 or nothing retire go to the old folks home play canasta play rook <laughs> do something don't play any more basketballs and i heard y'all talk about cornhole you might have a chance then because you like to move in cornhole but anything requires movement retire yeah, they didn't want the smoke coach they didn't want the smoke it was, it was bad coach it was it was embarrassingly bad well, and, and, and coach well, the Corey, all i can tell you Corey, all i can tell you is this morning i drove the theodore to work and I had to change the channel because Hein was gloating every five minutes about what he had done to y'all. And, I mean, it was ridiculous. And well, I can't believe you continue to talk about it. This is your show, right? It, it is, but I, I have to man up to it, Coach. When you, you get cooked like bacon, you have to go ahead and, and, look, either take it in the stove or take it in the microwave. It's still burnt, and, and we still got cooked. So I, I will give them their props, Coach. I'll give them their props. You know, they, they took it to us. But uh, retiring is a good word. I, I, I will go ahead. Ahead. My body's telling me the same thing, too, Coach. Well, I didn't see it. And to be honest with you, if I did a good laugh, I'll try to get a copy of the video because I'm sure it's hilarious. <laughs> but to give Heim anything to brag about for the next year, <laughs> if there's another competition, Corey, decline the opportunity. Okay? <laughs> I got take you, it, Coach. Take I... it to go 0-1, pull a hamstring, do something. Don't play him in anything. Coach giving his players advice, run the other way, fake an injury, do not face those adverse conditions, run like the wind if you can, and clearly what you can't. What was it? Was it Duran? Was it Duran that said no mas? No mas, Duran, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he said no well, mas, Coach. Go, Corey. Your new motto is a no mas when I, it comes to competition. I got you, Coach. I got you. Well, well things have been going Great for you at Theodore in regards to getting ready for the spring as course. It's an opportunity these last couple of weeks for the high schools across the state of Alabama to get ready and get geared up for their spring game. And I know you guys are getting ready for your opponent that will be coming to play. Who who will you be facing and when will that game be played? We're playing Jackson at Theodore on Thursday. I believe that's the uh, 18th. I'm not real sure. At six o'clock at Theodore, so yeah, we're looking forward to it. We uh, actually got rained out today. It came a pretty good rain about two thirty, and we decided not to practice. It was just so bad. If we'd played a game, a real game this week, we would have practiced. But 
Yeah, we're excited about the Aggies coming into town. They always got good athletes, and we're looking forward to playing them. Well, Coach, it's great to where when you, you're playing red versus white or red versus black in, in practice and you actually get a chance to hit someone else and, and show what you have to work with going into the the fall. And I know your schedule, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking at it, you guys open up the first two games at Baker and at Robertsdale on the road before you guys play Murphy at home. Yeah, we'd love to have a home opener being the first year here, but obviously we just take what's dictated. But, you know, there's a lot of preparation that has to go into a lot of things. Uh, I sort of approach spring training a little different, I guess, than a lot of people. We're just trying to find players. And, you know, I know we've got six or eight, ten kids that played a lot last year. I know they can play. Um, we're just trying to find a little bit of depth and find some to replace some starters that have graduated. So, you know, we're 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 about ninety, ninety five minutes during spring and I'm not looking to get anybody hurt, just trying to use it what it's supposed to be, that's an evaluation period and uh and we'll do the best we can in the game, but we won't prepare for the game like we would a regular season game. I love the fact that you do still get an opportunity to come in early enough to get that evaluation because some coaches when they're hired it's after it's in the summertime. We've seen that here at a couple of schools to where you get hired after that opportunity to evaluate your players and to actually see them and get a relationship with them prior to going into the summertime. Now, from a seven-on-seven standpoint, Coach, will you guys be staying active and doing anything beyond this spring game to become acclimated more to your quarterback and wide receivers? Well, Corey, you know, we'll do a lot of the OTAs. We'll try to get a couple of schools that we can just practice with and, you know, for lack of a better word, service each other. And, you know, we're going to play a certain coverage for them for a little while. They'll play one for us. It's more of a, a like an NFL deal where the two NFL teams get together and just practice with each other. I'm a big believer in that. I'm not a – we'll do one seven-on-seven tournament probably at South because they're our local university. We want to support them. But – you know, they all look like movie stars in shorts running them around and prancing and all that. And uh, it, it's really good practice, but I don't really get off on the competition that much because it's a little bit fake. And, I mean, I know I've been a couple places. We went 5-0 and 7-on-7, and, seven on seven and uh, everybody thought, oh, we're going to be great. But then all of a sudden you put those helmets and shoulder pads on. It's a different animal. But we'll have plenty of work in the summer to figure all that out. Coach, when you took over the job at Theodore, coming back down here to the Gulf Coast, talk to us about the excitement that you've had being around this Theodore program here for the last month and a half. Well, and kudos to our principal, Tim Hardegree, and the rest of the administration for making the decisions as quick as they can. A lot of these things, they drag out two or three, four or five, even months sometimes to get somebody hired. And you said it best a while ago, but Mr. Hardegree, you know, as soon as Eric announced, he was, was uh, resigning and going to South, and we're very proud for him and what a good football coach he is. Uh, you know, Tim made a decision to, to post it and, and try to get a replacement as quick as possible. And I couldn't be more excited about being back in Mobile. And uh, this is home for me, and I couldn't be more excited than being in a place at Theodore with great football tradition. And the kids absolutely love to play the game. So 
I'm on cloud nine, and it's great to be back in my house. It's great to be around my friends, but it's it's great to be back in a, in a city that I love, an area that I love, where the football is the king. And boy, Theodore's a great place. I'm a very lucky guy. Yeah, the type of environment that they created last year during their two matches ups with Sarah Land were, were second to none as far as from a high school environment. I think I've only seen maybe one or two other games to where it was more electric or electricity from both fan bases. That's always a lot of fun. But you do come into a situation where it's 6A Region 1. You have the defending state champions, and I know that kids graduate and move on, but it's just one of the toughest regions in the entire state of Alabama. Well, it is a tough region. I think you do have to start with Sarah Land. They've got uh, everybody's picked to be the uh, – Best player everybody's seen in Mobile in a long time, and I've seen him on film, and I, I concur. You know, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that the Williams kid's special, the quarterback's special, so and they've got a lot of starters back on both sides of the ball, and so I think you'd have to pick them to, to be the favorite, Region 1, and maybe the favorite in the state. I don't know, but uh, I do think the Bobcats will show up and uh, – you know, give them a run for their money, and then you throw everybody else in on top of it. It's just, it definitely was Spanish Ford and uh, a lot of the other schools that won state championships. I think six out of the nine have got a blue map in their uh, in their trophy case. And so uh, that says enough right there about it. Yeah, it's a tremendous region, and you mentioned the history and the mystique of the 6A Region 1 teams that do have a state championship trophy. And one thing, I mean, you can't control the schedule. I know that, again, you open up at Baker, and then you're on the road the last game of the season at St. Paul's, and I know that will be special to you also. Well, it'll be special. we a chance to go back over there and, and see some people that mean a lot to me and uh, – you know, we spent a lot of great years there, and I have nothing but great respect for, for, for those folks and what they've done for me in my career, and they're very grateful. But, uh, you know, we're at Theodore now. We're excited about there. We're excited about going to play there, and uh, uh, I'm glad it's on down the road a little bit. By then, we'll have an idea of what we are and what they are. But, you know, uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited about the opportunity, but I'm sure they're excited about the opportunity, too. So, uh it's a great place. Like I said, they were great to me for the 13 years I was there and uh, people outstanding, and we're looking forward to going back over there. A strength of one of your teams this year, will it be the running game continuously? Will it be the offensive line? Will it be the defensive line? When, when we get a chance to see those pads pop against Jackson on the 18th, what is going to be one of the sides of the ball, or is there a particular side of the ball that is ahead of another one at this point in time? Well, that's hard. You know, it's hard to tell. I do know we've got some really good defensive linemen, some really good defensive linemen. We've got good size, and then our offensive line's got four starters back on that. So, uh, anybody that's watched the team that we've been associated with the last several years know that uh, we're going to run it, you know, and we're going to play good defense. And that sounds like a cliche, but that's just what we are. And, you know, we'd like to be able to, to, to throw it around a lot. And, and But, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to run it and play good defense and see what happens. And I feel good about that. we got to replace a really good running back that we lost last year. And uh, But the quarterback's back, and there's some other kids that are capable. So, uh, But defensively, I think we've got a chance to be pretty good. You know, we've got to not call a lot of names yet because I'm not really familiar. I know them all, but not enough to really go that far yet. But uh, we've got some good players on that side of the ball. Well, that's what it's all about, Coach, having enough to get to 
this spring to get to know your team a lot better. And that's why I love the fact that you came down early and are the principal and administration and the community has really embraced you tremendously. And Theodore is a very special place with a very special fan base. And I just look forward to seeing you guys compete against Jackson to where you learn a little bit more about your team. And of course, open up on the road at Baker on the 25th of August. It'll be here before you know it also coach. And just want to wish you the best and we'll definitely stay in touch with you. And thank you for your time this afternoon for the final drive. And I'll, I'll definitely take those words of retirement into consideration, Coach. Go get those shoes that you wore that match and have them bronzed and put on your medal <laughs> and on your mantle at home and be done with it. Bronze your shoes and retire, Corey. If you lose to Heim, that's a sign. It's time to go. <laughs> you, got, you got it, Coach. Will do. Steve Mass, the head football coach at Theodore High School, joining us. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Steve Mask, again, you know, he's a quote machine. Heim. He's so disrespectful. Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm going to probably, the basketball shoes, I, I will definitely have to retire those. Bronze them. He's right. Retire from the game with two-on-two -two basketball. Got, got, now, I know you're a your sneaker guy now. Which ones did you have on? I, I had on the Air Jordan 8s, the okay. 8s. So I'll just go ahead and, like you said, put them on the shelf and be like, these are the ones that I face planted in. You These think maybe you get your money back for this? No, probably won't be any money back. But if if people would have paid for admission, they would have, they probably would have wanted their money back because uh, it was that bad. It was that bad. And and you know, Han put in the the app. How many air balls do you guys count? And the video is there. And I I would love to have deniability in the way that Michael Bronner and I played, but because it is on film. And you can see it and laugh at it at your own leisure. I, I can't tell any tales. We we just we took that L. I I thought it got windy in there, but it was really all those air balls <laughs> flying all over by by my head. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, they shooting, they shooting, run! <laughs> Keep the your mama jokes coming in the app. They're pretty good. Give us a phone call two five one six nine four one zero five five is how you can get to us in the final drive. We'd love to hear from you as well and. We'll be right back here on The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Everybody, Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Welcome back to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, those Los Angeles Laker fans that are around this area, and there's plenty of them going back to the great Jerry West time. Golden State at the Lakers tonight, New York at Miami. And to me, if Miami wins this game, it's it's that series is done. Jimmy Butler has done a phenomenal job. If he's able to find a way to win this game tonight, New York might as well go ahead and get their fishing gear ready. And as far as the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers, I think that this game has never really been one that's gone down to the wire. And you're always going to sleep on it early because there's a blowout. And for whatever reason, you, you can't have that last second shot here in that series. This will be game four tonight. The Lakers leading two games to one. And I think it's interesting when you look at going from LeBron James to Bronny James and his choice in colleges, 
LeBron James, you see a lot of people go back to school. Ray Allen went back to school, got his degree this weekend from UConn. You love to see it. Jimmy Johns goes back to Alabama. He gets his degree some 15 years later. Bronny James, he's going to have at least a semester and a half enrolled at USC. And whether he only plays one and done, I, I personally don't think in watching Bronny James play that he's going to be a one and done type of player. I think he's hoping to be. I mean, I think the the rap on him is he's a, a, a four-star athlete with a five-star name. Uh, so he will certainly be given the opportunity. And look, this is not a guy that's hurting for money. I mean, NIL alone will keep him set, but it's not like – I mean, he – I think he'll jump ship as soon as possible. I mean, LeBron's legs are only so can only handle so many more games. I know, I know the ultimate goal is to be playing together, but um, you hope he stays longer because that's the problem with the college game. But I don't foresee him. You think he's staying longer than a year? I just don't think that based on his name and the type of performance that he's going to give USC. I've seen him play in the McDonald's All-American game, had a tremendous McDonald's All-American game, and kind of watched his high school career. He doesn't strike me as a one-and-done type of player as far as being drafted in the first two rounds. Now, maybe going to the G League for a year, yes, but this time next year I will be very interested to see what his numbers are at Southern Cal. Would you rather go to a, the G League for a year or stay in college a second year? I think I'd rather stay in college. I just think the exposure, especially with NIL again, I think the exposure far outweighs the the G League. I think the average Joe, yes, you go ahead and you go to the G League to get paid. Even though you have the NIL abilities, I think that because the NIL is there, it's kind of hurt the G League a little bit because now you can actually make money in college and make millions of dollars in college because I think they said Bronny James' name alone is worth over four and a half to $5 million just on NIL deals with yeah. him going to Southern Cal? Well, I mean, he was in that Fast and Furious commercial, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. That's, that's yeah. I By mean, the way, if you think Michael Bronner had a, is having a rough week, you seen this story on uh, Bob Huggins out of West Virginia? We'll have to check that out at the top of the next hour for sure. Yikes. Bob Huggins in a little bit of hot water yeah. at West Virginia, and it's normally because of something Bob Huggins has said. Even after Xavier fans, after they allegedly threw rubber uh, appendages out on the floor. Yeah, wow. it's clear Hans in the afternoon show today. Yeah, I love it. I'm I love getting it. all the good ones. Bob Huggins, we'll talk about that next hour on the final drive. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it.
Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Mark Heim joining you this afternoon as Michael Brauner is enjoying his vacation. And, yes, he scheduled his vacation prior to us losing 11-0 in basketball on Friday. And, no, it was not make it, take it. So we'll take that loss <laughs> For sure. I just I have to reemphasize that for for clarity purposes. Um, you know, it wasn't a pretty picture, but Braun and I, we did our best. Zero is is not our best, but that's exactly what the score was. Eleven to zero fall into Nick Wiggins and Mark Heim from the opening kickoff and joining us here to they, they probably could understand what it means to have the run rule in effect or get swag. Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn, he was able to witness Auburn's baseball program have the 10-run rule against the number one ranked team in the country, the LSU Tigers, this weekend. As a matter of fact, they take the series from the LSU Tigers and Auburn starting to play some great baseball. Zach Blackerby, good evening and welcome to the final drive. Hey, yeah, happy Monday, guys. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, you don't see the number one team in all of college baseball get a run rule too often. So that was that was a pretty big moment for Auburn. Of course, that was LSU's first series that they've lost this season, which, of course, in the SEC at this point of the year is pretty remarkable. So hats off to them for their incredible run, and they're going to be, you know, it's not like they're all of a sudden bad. They're still a very, very good baseball team. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, Auburn – um, defeating, you know, someplace had South Carolina number two, some number three, and then everybody had LSU at number one this past weekend. Beating those teams, you know, two out of three games in both of those series and back-to-back weekends, uh, despite how really the season up to that point has been for Auburn baseball, uh, it's it's now gotten them ranked in the top 25 as polls start to trickle out throughout the day today. And it's hard to say they don't deserve it, right? I mean, <laughs> Baseball is a streaky sport, as we all know. And Thompson, you know, this is a guy that's gotten Auburn to Omaha twice in the last few seasons. It's all about peaking at the right time. And, hey, is that starting to happen? Is it starting to happen for these Tigers? Well, if they are going to peak, you know, it's about getting healthy. And I think that's the biggest thing for this Auburn Tigers and finding their rotation. Because when you start looking at taking series away from teams, that's the biggest issue that Auburn has not been able to do. They'll they'll win one game and they'll lose two. But when you are winning consecutive series against top-ranked opponents in the Southeastern Conference, you're showing what you can do and what a healthy rotation can do for Coach Thompson. Yeah, yeah, and look, Auburn hasn't had their race all year, and they still don't. But, man, if they could add Joseph Gonzalez, and he's somewhat close to what he's been, you know, during his time in Auburn, all of a sudden, you know, you got to look at the Auburn Tigers as a team that you would not want to play in regional or super regional action. So we'll certainly see what that looks like. And then, you know, a guy like John Armstrong, you know, can he potentially come back? You know, a key part of their relief situation, whether it's in middle relief or a guy you tried out there in the ninth inning. That's a guy that Butch Thompson wish he had access to right now. But you know, perhaps both of those guys could find a way to be available by the time the SEC tournament starts. And well, I guess it's two weeks from now, which is kind of crazy. But you know, Auburn's got a manageable schedule now, which we didn't say that two weeks ago because we were like, well, you know, you got Ole Miss and Missouri coming up, but first you got to play South Carolina and LSU. 
And I guess the goal would have been, we talked about this on my show on Locked on Auburn, about if you could just steal one against LSU and steal one against South Carolina and then kind of do your work against Ole Miss and Missouri, you know, perhaps that could be enough if you do enough in Hoover to kind of get you into the postseason. Well, they've won the two series, and now uh, they're going to play – Really, I think two of – I mean, Ole Miss is, is shockingly bad despite winning the national championship a year ago, and Missouri is certainly a beatable team. So, we'll see. You know, they've kind of done the hard part down the stretch. Can they close it out? That's, that's the big question that Auburn's going to have to do over these final two weekends of conference play. Well, longer than two weekends is what the Auburn football program is going to have to go ahead and get – Peyton Thorne acclimated to Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers, but it's always great when you can find additional wide receivers to throw to. Also, Caleb Burton, a transfer from Ohio State, will be joining Peyton Thorne. And do we think that Peyton Thorne really is going to be the starting quarterback at Auburn? And will someone like the addition of Caleb Burton the third help him to go ahead and achieve the goals that Auburn Tiger fans have. Yeah, Caleb Burton's a tricky one to talk about because, you know, he's a he's a former four star receiver out of Texas and went to Ohio State. Like those are all things that you like. You like the former four star, you like high caliber Texas high school athletes. And you like receivers from Ohio State, but he never, he didn't play. Like he hasn't really played a snap of college football yet. And so his traits look good, but we're kind of basing it all off of the fact that, you know, Ohio State's receiving situation is buried, and he was a really, really good prospect coming out of the high school ranks. So, you know, you think he can do it. You think he can kind of hit the ground running, but he hasn't really done it yet. And Hugh Freeze has talked time and time and time again how much he values experience, as most head coaches throughout our sport do. Um, so we'll certainly see how much of an instant impact he has. It's 5'11", 170, 169. So, you know, he's probably going to be that Y receiver, which, you know, does he take any snaps away from Javaris Johnson? I don't know. But all of a sudden, competition opens up, which is certainly what Auburn needs at that wide receiver position. So, we'll see. And do I think Peyton Thorne will be the starter? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I don't, I don't think Hugh Freeze was happy with the quarterback position. Uh, I don't think he was happy with a lot of positions on this roster. And the ones that he was probably the most unhappy with were just based off of, you know, things that he said at press conferences and folks that I've talked to close to the situation was offensive line, receiver, and quarterback. And so what has he done? He really just rebuilt the offensive line through the transfer portal. Um, he's working on building out the receiving core. I mean, after Camden Brown, I think there's a lot of questions with that. And he battled some injuries. You know, so is he going to be healthy? Is this going to be something that lingers? We'll certainly have to wait and see. So we went out and got Nick Martiner. I don't think they're too enthused with him, but he's certainly a big body, a big target. You go out and get Caleb Burton. We'll see what happens there. I think they're going to add two more receivers via the transfer portal soon, Corey, if I had to guess. I think that'll probably happen within the next week to 10 days. We'll see. And then, you know, quarterback, you go out and get Peyton Thorne. Um, and, and I think – you know, just the situation that he's been offered. And I think the fact that receivers all of a sudden, you know, I, I don't think it's coincidence. Some people might are beginning to show a better interest in Auburn. I, I think it's because they're now able to see who will probably be throwing them the football. I think Peyton Thorne's a big part of, of uh, you know, a lot of interest with these guys. So we'll certainly see what happens with that. But, yeah, right now I, I, think, I think Peyton Thorne, I think we'll have to go and win it. But, yeah, he's the clear favorite to start for Auburn. 
or competition is always great in between any quarterbacks that you have. You want that leader to be in the clubhouse and to have had an opportunity to get acclimated to the system, but Thorne coming in late, I don't think it will hurt the Auburn Tigers. It'll definitely help them for sure. Now, the expectations, I'm not quite sure. Coming from Michigan State, of course, the Big Ten, you're, you're, fa- you're battling the Michigans, and of course, you're battling the Ohio States of the world, so it's not like that the competition that he's faced has been chopped liver, but being that guy and leaving Michigan State for Auburn, the pressure level and the pressure cooker, his room for error, he needs to have an outstanding, if he wins the job, that first game to show that he's going to be the man at Auburn that's going to lead them to six, seven, eight wins on the season. Yeah, I mean, maybe. You know, I, I don't know if it necessarily matters, like, what it looks like in the game one win. I mean, it, it certainly doesn't seem to matter when you talk about Robbie Ashford. I think a lot of Auburn fans kind of um, that are pro-Robbie, I don't think they really they care what it looks like. Uh, that's certainly kind of the comments that we're seeing. Um, it, I don't think anything's really going to matter until, you know, you, uh, the Cal situation is interesting, but I think regardless of who starts the quarterback, Auburn will win at Cal. It's that, well, I think it's the week four matchup against Texas A&M when you go to College Station. Mm-hmm. That's the one to me where it's like, I don't know if you're really going to know what you have until that game. And, and I think, I think you know, just kind of the poise that Peyton Thorne has brought, um, I think it just has a lot more upside right now as far as, you know, stability and an offense and consistency um, with that versus, you know, what we saw from Robbie Ashford last year. Zach Blackerby does a phenomenal job, host of Locked On Auburn. How can everyone follow all your outstanding coverage of the Auburn Tigers and everything that is AU? Yeah, Locked On Auburn, available wherever you get your podcasts and every day on YouTube. And uh, you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. Last question for you, Zach, is have you ever seen in your coverage of college and or professional baseball players get ejected before the game even starts? I haven't seen that. Did that happen? That did happen this weekend, a Major League Baseball standoff between two pitchers, Cutter Crawford for the Red Sox and the Phillies' Matt Strom. They got ejected for not leaving the field after the national anthem just sat and stared at one another on opposite baselines, were warned to go to their dugouts and decided not to do so. So they get tossed before the game even starts. And I just wanted to see if you have ever heard or seen that before. No, I haven't. We saw a few, you know, ridiculous things with with players getting thrown out uh, throughout spring, spring training, you know, across Major League Baseball. And it's like, man, you know, and, uh, I cover the Braves. You know, we run the Sports Illustrated Atlanta Braves site. That's at bravestoday.com. And it's just, it's amazing how baseball continues to get in its own way. I mean, how cool would that have been to have those two pitchers staring at each other then have them go off against each other? I mean, that's just that's a shame. That's it, a shame. It, it, you know, uh, uh, baseball keeps getting in its own way. No fun league there for sure. They took the celebration away from the Braves with their big hat after hitting dingers. And what a great series Unreal. the Braves had against the Orioles. A lot of fun yesterday watching that game go down. And I appreciate you, Zach, for joining us here on the final drive. And as always, look forward to talking to you again next week. 
Sounds good, brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Zach Blackerby joining us here on the final drive. And we kind of teased it a little bit before the break. Bob Huggins. Yeah, the Bob Huggins that is a mastermind at Cincinnati and currently at West Virginia. Well, sometimes you write and open your mouth and get yourself in a little trouble as far as some of his statements. We'll let you know what his exact statement is that's gotten a lot of backlash and gotten him in a lot of hot water at West Virginia coming up next here on The Final Drive. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive. Corey LeBounty and Mark Hyde in the studio with me today and no it's not to rub in the fact that they won 11 to 0 folks. He's here as a guest. We already had planned this prior to them go ahead and destroying Michael Bronner and I's spirits and hopes in regards to thinking that we were better at two-on-two basketball than Nick Wiggins and Mark Heim, and they just they, they flat out kicked our ass. I mean, that's just bottom line what happened, and it wasn't, it, you know, it, it was physical and mental. At least there were no flagrant or hard fouls, I will say this. It was a clean play game. Bronner walked in with his little blazer on, his sunglasses. He had his, uh, he had his, uh, I guess his beats were on. He had the whole deal, man. He walked in looking confident, and then we got the pregame interview, and he was like, ah, "Well, you know, we, you know, it's their game. We're, you know, we we gotta try to, we gotta try to get the leg up." And dude, didn't work out for us. I, I shot my four air balls. Bronner shot his four air balls. And Nick got a wedgie. Nick did get a wedgie. He did get a wedgie. That's hard to do. Let, let me specify that. When the ball got caught up there between the rim and the backboard, <laughs> I, I, we're close. We're not that close. <laughs> I'm just saying. He, he, did, he did get that good wedgie with the basketball being stuck, and it took him a couple tries to get the ball ball down. But but he, he did get inside my partner's head. My partner got frustrated. I tried to stay positive with him and, and keep him keep them focused but uh you know 11 to 0 Nick was, got was this tough. self-inflated head now man he's out there like challenging people on our the morning show he's like he's he bet that me and him could beat anybody out there he wants he all to smoke and, and and the caller Dude. calling in now has something to say caller good afternoon and welcome to the final drive uh thank you sir Tucker, I agree with you, Mel Tucker. You know, Mel Tucker didn't hold anything against him, and it's a situation where Auburn needed a quarterback, and he had a lot of experience throwing for over, I think, maybe 50 or 60 touchdowns in his time there at Michigan State, and that's what Auburn currently needed on his roster. I don't know if he's the savior for Auburn, but at least he has a lot more experience than what they currently have. Okay, but I, I'm going to say this. If he was such a good quarterback, but for, for the year, Mel Tucker 
won all them games and they had a down year this year, why would he go away from it? He just felt like this past year he wanted to have more playing time and he felt like Auburn was a better experience or situation for him to do that. And that's one of the things about the transfer portal to where when you ask a, a young kid, hey, why, why or a young man or woman, why do they transfer? Nine times out of ten, it's going to say, hey, I appreciate the opportunity, but I, I would like to have a different type of opportunity to experience somewhere else or a different type of playing system. At the end of the day, I think that he made the best decision for himself. Now, is he the best quarterback available for Auburn? I don't think Auburn would have taken him out of the portal if he wasn't. Hey, I'm going to say this. If you can't handle the Big Ten, what makes you handle the SEC? <laughs> if that's the case, then thing y'all say about the SEC is a bunch of baloney. <laughs> We're so going to find out real fast. We're going to find out real fast. The Big Ten, he definitely can't handle the SEC football. We're going to find out Auburn Tigers with a new quarterback and wide receiver, and we'll see if he's the answer, Mark. I, I don't know. I will say this. West Virginia head basketball coach Bobby Huggins, he's been the answer at Cincinnati and West Virginia, but after his statement today, he can apologize, but what do you think will be the consequences behind the ill-advised statements of one Bobby Huggins? Well, if the current trend is any indication, he won't have a job to come back to. Uh, so Bob Huggins twice, twice, not once, twice, just in case you didn't hear it the first time, twice used a homophobic slur in a radio interview earlier today. When he uh, he was asked whether or not he recruited or tried to poach Xavier players out of the transfer portal, he was being interviewed at a Cincinnati radio station, and uh, he twice really kind of resorted to a slur while taking a shot at the Catholic fan base. So they've issued an apology. He's issued an apology. The, the West Virginia has issued a statement in today's climate. That's, that's technically a, that's usually a fireable offense. I'm not, I'm not sure how you, how you, uh, how you, how you put the genie back in the bottle at this point. I, I think what will wind up happening, of course, Firing a coach is the ultimate extreme. Suspension for the first five or six games, I, I could see Bobby Huggins being suspended for five or six games with, with the statement that he made. And I'm hoping for Bobby Huggins and West Virginia fans that he is not fired because I love the fact and what he brings. Now, does, does he have a potty mouth? Yeah, he's got a potty mouth. Uh, a lot of coaches – do have a potty mouth and if he did not issue an apology or a statement then I think he would be fired but because he did address it so quick they did a lot of quick PR spin on it and that homophobic slur that he did use a couple of times will probably wind up if nothing else cause him to be suspended now had it been directed at a player then I know man, for a fact. Corey is very forgiving. Remind me to get a job at Corey's place, man. You're forgiving to everybody. Well, you, I, you, you don't want to hit the the, the son's <laughs> owner with with nothing. You don't want to hit Jokic with nothing. You don't want to hit uh, Huggins here with anything. Huggins is going to get suspended. I, I just don't think that he's going to be fired because of, of his statement. And that's that's where, where I, I say that Bobby Huggins will lose 
money from suspension rather than being fired. Now, again, had he told one of his players that out loud and he said that and called a cuss at his player because coaches have had to change how they their temperament toward players because players nowadays, they're firing back. They're clapping back at the coaches and are firing lawsuits off left and right for mental stress and mental causes anguish, anguish. there we go mental that? anguish yes mental anguish and i'm not even the one that worked at a law firm how about that? that that's exactly what is happening to a lot of coaches in football and basketball and gymnastics too you're seeing a lot of former gymnasts sue their coach for mental anguish among, and well among other things and, and, and yeah that that too but this homophobic slur that he used i think it won't cost him his job but it definitely is going to cause some suspension. By the way, I know we got to get go to a break here, but for those that are asking about Thorne, you took a call about Auburn and Thorne and and, all, and whether or not he'd be a good Auburn. I saw an interesting stat here. Uh, his numbers would rank among Auburn's all-time leaders. Single-season passing yards, he'd be second in Auburn history based on Man. his numbers. In single-season passing touchdowns, second in Auburn history. Career passing yards, fourth. Career passing touchdowns, second. And see, I think it's been since Jarrett Stidham that they've had a quarterback to throw for over 3,000 yards, and, and that's going back some five or six years ago. Why are you always stepping on my on my moment? Uh, you always got to one-up me, Sorry, Corey. sorry. Hey, look, I just read your mind there. I read through your laptop, and, and it definitely took your no, thumb there. No, it's, it's all in the vault, it, man. It, that's all in the vault. <laughs> it, that's where it is. That's where it's locked and loaded and stored. Coming back, we'll address the Phoenix Suns owner, Getting pushed by Jokic. Robbie Baker, he suspend probably him. saw it. No, sir, don't suspend him. Robbie Get Baker will tell us all about it. Coming up next, because he was there and is still in Phoenix. Robbie Baker coming up next. Former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Final drive on WNSP 105.5 with Corey Labonte and Michael Brauner not here today because he's on vacation. And no, folks, he's not on vacation because we lost 11 to 0. He is not licking his wounds. Oh, he, he is, might be. He, he, no, he, he, Big Boy Brauner, we, we both took him because I knew that I had to come in and, and face my man Mark Heim today and the whooping that Nick Wiggins and Mark Hine put on us 11-0. And no, it was not make it, take it. Robbie Baker, I, I got embarrassed. I tried to have my one shining moment like I did with Coach Arrow back in 1989. I would have had a better chance if I would have played in 1989 than I did on Friday because we played two-on-two here. It was the opening kickoff and the morning guys versus the evening, the afternoon show. And Robbie Baker, it was eleven to zero, and there was no make it take it. Ah, oh, Corey, I thought you still had some jump in you, man. I thought you'd be throwing it down one time. And look, I, 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 I was Robbie in my dreams. I did that, but <laughs> Friday it was embarrassing. Coach Steve Mass told me to go ahead. He had one word for me. He said retire, and then he told me to go ahead and take the shoes that I played with and bronze them to say that that's my last game ever. And it was it was pretty it was it was pitiful it was pretty bad. Robbie, you ever see a guy trip over a painted line before? <laughs> that's what. Happened. That's what I look like when I play basketball. Well, yeah. that's 
That's what it looked like. Well, you like. would have been in good company on Friday then. <laughs> it looked pretty bad, right? It was my worst game ever, Robbie. It was it was embarrassing. <laughs> but I, I tell you, the situation that was not embarrassing last night, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, is the fact that the Suns got it in gear against the Nuggets and the series tied at two apiece. But what everybody's talking about today is the fact that Jokic is fined $25,000 after pushing uh, the Suns owner. But that's something that I've never really seen. And, and I know that you had an opportunity to be there in Phoenix. Robbie, did was it a great acting job? Was it we saw the forearm go into the chest? I mean, did he take the flop or is that really a $25,000 fine? Well, there's uh, so many angles to look at this. So the first, you know, part of it was watching it live. I couldn't really, you know, see until the replay. So live, I saw Ishbia go down, and I thought, oh, my gosh, Jokic just shoved him to the ground. And you watch the replays, and then maybe there's a little Tom Izzo coaching into the Ishbia <laughs> flop there. I think Ishbia may have embellished a little bit. But, you know, hey, the way Devin Booker described it afterward is, you know, Ishbia got the technical foul on uh, called on Jokic, and then uh, the Suns got an extra point. So Ishbia got the Suns a point last night. Maybe a little gamesmanship there. Um, but the the real, you know, for Suns fans to really comprehend all this, you got to go back a few years to the finals run that the Suns had. Uh, Jokic in game four of that series when the Suns swept the Nuggets, Jokic lost his cool and started throwing some punches at uh, campaign in the game that they ended up getting eliminated in, and Jokic got ejected from that game. So this isn't the first time that we've seen uh, any factor of the Suns kind of get under the Joker's skin. And, uh, and for Suns fans, you got to go back almost 16 years ago when they were playing the Spurs, and I think it was the second-round playoff series. Robert Ory basically body-checked Steve Nash into the scorer's table, uh, and I believe, you know, Ory got a flagrant foul back then. But Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw just took two steps off of the bench and then were pulled back. But technically, they stepped onto the court, and back then, David Stern suspended Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire for the next game that ultimately ended up costing the Suns that series because technically those two players left the bench, and I'm using air quotes that your uh, viewers can't see. But So I think Suns fans have, with that history, the Suns fans were probably hoping, all right, well, you look at the letter of the law, Tony Brothers after the game in his uh, pool report said that Jokic made deliberate contact with a fan. If you go by the letter of the law, well, making deliberate contact with a fan should, you know, warrant a suspension. But I think if you really look at this in the totality, this was probably the right move. I don't think, you know, neither was in the right there. Ishbia, maybe a little gamesmanship holding onto the ball. Jokic, obviously, maybe could have handled it better. But when you're in the heat of competition, stuff happens so fast. It's easy for us to look at this now because we can slow it down and dissect it every which way. Watching it live, everything happened within like a five-second span. It all just blew up immediately. Um, so it's probably the right decision and if you're to, for the, uh, him just to be fined. And if you're a basketball fan, it's the right decision because this has been an all-time playoff series so far. All right, so let me throw you a hypothetical. What if it was just Corey Labounty, some down-and-out basketball player just lucky enough to have a courtside seat, just your average Joe fan and not the owner of an NBA franchise? Does this play out any differently? Yeah, that's the uh, $25,000 fine yeah. question, I guess. Cause, uh, I mean, if it is just an average fan, I mean, I guess, you know, for, you know, if you, 
you have some listeners that aren't huge NBA fans, you know, the reason all this stuff is such a big deal is you got to go back to the malice at the palace when Ron Artest and all those guys went into the stands and there was a huge melee in Detroit all those years ago where fans were punched and it was just total chaos. So that's why the NBA takes these interactions so seriously because the NBA is a very unique sport where you are essentially on the court. I mean, if you have courtside seats, you're basically – in the game uh, if anything like this were to happen. And there is an understanding in that that fans need to act a certain way and players need to act a certain way. Um, if, since it was the Suns owner, I don't know if that played a part in this, but I also don't know if it played a part in it if it was just a normal fan. I mean, a fan did get kicked out of the game because um, there was a fan who was, at, I believe it was one row behind Ishbia that did kind of extend his arms towards Jokic, and that fan did get kicked out. Um, for making contact with him. So, you know, maybe the hypothetical situation here, if it wasn't Ishbia, maybe it could have escalated more if it was just a random fan that yeah, Jokic, you know, tried to take the ball away from. And, and then, you know, now that I'm talking through this now, maybe that, you know, you think, well, if it was a regular fan that escalated after Jokic escalated it, you know, you end up going down this, this hypothetical road. I think the good thing is it didn't get any crazier than it did, and it ended up just kind of being this great video moment and it's honestly been fun to watch the internet uh, kind of take it. I mean, there's been some funny, like, wrestling gifts of the way, you know, Jokic, like, quote-unquote, attacked Ishbia. And I saw somebody uh, tweeted the video from Zoolander of uh, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller walking past each other uh, at the beginning of the movie, kind of making eyes. And it was like Ishbia and Jokic walking past each other before game five on Tuesday night. So the internet's having some fun with this. Well, I tell you, we're speaking with Robbie Baker, sports anchor reporter at Fox 10 in Phoenix, and he had that firsthand account of what went down last night. Jokic, 53 points scored last night for not because they took that L, and it kind of reminds you, KD and Booker both scoring 36 points apiece, but when you can score that many points and your team not win, that's got to be a little disheartening for sure. Well, it's so funny how narratives change so quickly in these playoff series. Because after game two, I mean, it's also unbelievable that these two teams played a 97-87 to 87 game just a week ago, considering the scoring we've seen in these last two games. But after game two, the Suns played phenomenal defense. They held the Nuggets under 100 points. That was a road game that everyone said that, you know, you got to win one on the road if you're going to win a playoff series. That was the game the Suns needed to win. They couldn't get it done. Oh, it's going to be demoralizing. How are they going to get back into the series? Well, now Denver just lost two straight games. Their star player, like you said, a career playoff high, 53 points, and they took the loss. So now the narrative is, oh, my gosh, Denver, if Jokic scores – 50-some points, and they can't even win. How are they going to get back into this series? So momentum swinging so far back and forth here. If you're a Suns fan, you have to feel great right now because you just won two straight. You have all the momentum. If you're going to steal a road victory, now would be the time it feels like they could do it going to Denver on Tuesday. You kind of feel like Denver's on their heels a little bit now. Uh, And if you're looking at the Suns, what we're watching Devin Booker do right now is – Otherworldly. I mean, this is this is a historic postseason run he is on right now. He's averaging something like 37 or 36 points per game on over 60% shooting. I mean, this is stuff. They're they're comparing this playoff run to stuff that Michael Jordan did, and that's not hyperbole. That's just based on the stats right now. What he's doing, it is it is unbelievable watching Devin Booker's game just go to a next level.
level. And I've, I mean, I was here, I was working uh, in this market years ago when the Suns drafted Devin Booker as the 13th overall pick out of Kentucky that, you know, he didn't even start in Kentucky. He was just kind of like, well, he's a scorer, you know, and I think he averaged like 11 points per game or something his rookie year. And just the way he has grown into this bona fide superstar and what he's doing right now. I mean, Kevin Durant's on this team. Devin Booker is the best player on the Suns right now. Robbie, it's fun to watch this series. And, you know, anytime you can get bonus basketball, what I mean by that is a seven-game series where it all comes down to who wants it. And, of course, we know the home court advantage, who that favors. I would love to see this series and every other series go down to the seventh game because when you have Curry in game seven scoring 50 points and putting on that type of historic performance, I would love for these other series to do the same thing. I will say, uh, for my own heart and sanity, I hope the Suns win, <laughs> can win tomorrow and close this thing out on Thursday because the, the swings in this series is uh, probably giving me some gray hairs. But uh, if it does go seven games, this would be the ultimate redemption shot for this Suns team. It's, it's a drastically different Suns team than the team that got just demolished in Game 7 last year uh, to Dallas. And this series, it, it's funny because, you know, the Dallas series last year, the Suns just blew out the Mavericks in the first two games, and they go to Dallas, and Dallas dominates those two games. And then it was a best of three, and then everyone knows what happened now. The Suns lost by you know, 30 points or whatever in game seven on their home court. Uh, this series is kind of mirroring that a little bit in terms of Denver dominating the first two games, the Suns bouncing back. But this is, uh, yeah, this is a much different Suns team than the team last year that lost in game seven. And it's not only because, obviously, they have Kevin Durant, but it's because Devin Booker is playing otherworldly basketball. It's because, you know, Monty Williams has gotten some slack, um, I think, unfairly, uh, whether last year or the way they exited the playoffs or in the first round this year when they uh, didn't adjust to all the stuff that Ty Lue was doing. But, uh, I mean, Monty Williams is out coaching Mike Malone right now uh, of the Nuggets. I mean, Monty Williams is kind of the puppet master right now, and he is, he's pulling all the strings at the right time getting guys like Terrence Ross, Landry Shamit, T.J. Warren involved. He realized that the Suns needed more scoring on the floor than just defensive might if they were going to win the series. That was the biggest adjustment they made in game three and four, and that's, I think, why they won game three and four. Well, I'll tell you, Robbie, we'll definitely stay in touch with you because as a broadcaster, having the Super Bowl in your lap and then if the Suns continue to push on, possibly having the Western Conference Finals and NBA Finals to cover as well, doesn't get any better than that as a TV anchor. And you're in a great market, and we appreciate all that you did while you were here in Mobile at WKRG, and we'll continue to reach out to you in your time there in Phoenix. Oh, absolutely, guys. I appreciate you uh, having me on. And like I, uh, I joke, it beats working for a living, right? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Robbie Baker joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And we'll put the finishing touches on the final drive as Mark Heim and Nick Wiggins did on last Friday in our two-on-two -two game. Yeah, it was 8 nothing. He was like, come on, come on, Mark, just three more, just three more. <laughs> yeah, there was blood in the water. We'll put the finishing touches on that for sure. And again, looking forward to cornhole that will be played as our next event. Nothing screams athleticism quite like cornhole. We're going to get after it and have a chance to redeem ourselves because basketball was not pretty. The final drive. Finishing up next here on WNSP 105.5.
My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Mark Heim sitting in for Michael Bronner. You guys and, definitely have better music on your show than we do. Hey, hey look, we, that's that one of better? the things. It's more recent. It is current. It is up to date. That's one of the things that when we switched over to the final drive format, I, I told Clint and Michael, I said, man, we're going we're gonna to get with it. We're going to get up and, and become current. As far as y'all our went trends. Travis Scott, y'all went a little Drake earlier today. Yeah, Outcast. I, I, we have. I got five on it for you. You know, so the diversity is definitely there for sure, and that's what it's all about. And you know, Mark, I, I tell you, it, it's been it's been wonderful sitting with you today, man, because we we've covered a plethora of the topics, everything from NASCAR punches being thrown in pit road to to Walker Kessler being. First team all rookie, ousting Jabari Smith to the second team to getting ready for our game tonight, which will be New York and Miami, Golden State and the Lakers. We've talked a little bit our Major League Baseball standoff, Auburn's Allen Flanagan in the transfer portal officially, Bronny James to Southern Cal. We've talked Auburn baseball and their huge series win versus LSU. And then run ruling the number one team in the country. And we've even talked about the basketball catastrophe that happened on last Friday. The two-on-two contest between Michael Bronner and myself taking on you and Nick Wiggins. And we've, we've received a lot of views. And we even went to the biggest trash talk that your mama could come out with. After beating somebody 11-0, to zero, we've jumped in the app with that. You guys did a phenomenal job giving us feedback on the Your Mama jokes after losing 11 to nothing. What kind of feedback would you guys give to the loser of someone who lost 11 to nothing in a game that wasn't make it, take it? Well, it couldn't get any worse. How about that? That's a fact. I mean, you can't lose worse than eleven nothing in a game to eleven with no make them take them. That is a fact, and that's and one I, and thing. For the record, I don't mean to interrupt you. I, no, I you're good. The fact that you lost to an older team <laughs> that had already been to work for about four hours should not dampen your spirits. It does not. It has not. We we are going to persevere, and Bronner and I we're we're going to buckle our chin straps and be ready for Man, cornhole. Bronner left town. That dude is so <laughs> upset. That dude could not show his face. He left. He, I don't know if he's coming back. You might hear me here next week. I don't know. I don't know what deep psychological scars <laughs> losing 11 nothing in a non-make-em-take-em game can do to a guy. Well, if he didn't have scars, he sure has it after Nick edited that video yeah. and had him in a frog stance. Maybe if you, you, you promise you'll talk some Patriots or something, maybe he'll come back. I, I don't know. Well, I, it, I, I, I don't know. You, you tell me. I, yeah. Bro, Bro, am I right? Right. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty good at this, but you know, my two-handed push shot, it didn't go in. I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> I will say this, Bronner. He balled. He did the best he Stop could. It. Stop. You see, Corey's that guy, right? He's the guy on the end of the bench. Good job. Keep shooting them. They'll fall. They'll fall. Bronner actually accused me of being a 50% uh, shooter from the field. 
You remember that? He like, did. that's a bad thing. Like, no. what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> we would have taken you. 50%. We would have taken 50%. No, but for Corey's sure. like, oh, keep putting them up. And, and meanwhile, Nick and I were like, yeah, yeah, listen to Corey, keep putting them up. Yeah, good, good job. <laughs> so, so they definitely had their strategy in place. And their strategy did work to a score of 11 to 0. Yeah, our strategy was let them shoot. Let them keep shooting. I was like Dennis Rodman over there, just like, just scoot. I, I had so many rebounds, I didn't know what to do with them. And and the and the one footage, if you get a chance to go to the app, somebody said, was his knee down before he crossed the goal line? That would be, that would have been me falling flat on my face, trying to be tripped up by the painted line. Yeah, so there it is. That uh, painted line's got a little smirk on its face right there. <laughs> It'll, that painted line will never be the same. I for think sure. that would be ruled a touchback. <laughs> Uh, and awarded to the other team because the ball goes out of the back your of the knees head. down, but you're bracing for the you're bracing for the fall, and the ball is just kind of right in front of you. I think it would have gone out the back of the end zone. It is available. The footage is available. All you have to do is click on the app, be able to watch the game. It, again, how did he get eight minutes off that game? Uh, he eleven did eight minutes of video. He did because he had our hype and our trash talking now before. Let me tell you something. Nick loves him some Nick now. If you go back and watch that video, there's an eye in Nick, and he <laughs> ain't afraid. An eye in that Nick. man didn't play a stitch of defense, and that dude was just give me the ball. He kept calling ISO. <laughs> Triple G said, "Look, buckets for me. Yeah, how I'm gonna do the dirty work? We're gonna win. I'm gonna score eight out of these eleven. Hey, but if one of our events next time is diving, I think." I think I think he got us beat after that's pretty good form right there. Uh, uh, we'll work like on belly that. Buster. We'll work on that. John Rachetti Golf Show coming up next. Thank brought you. Brought to you by Miller Lite. Mark Heim sitting in. I appreciate Mark Heim for sitting in with me. Nathan's done a wonderful job behind the glass. We'll talk to you tomorrow.